0: What are you looking at, Rose? Rosie's gazing intently at something up the track, but I can't see what. Sniffing away. It's getting very overgrown, isn't it? Just in the last two weeks, this path that we always walk along is now almost unrecognizably jungly. Rosie, she's looking up at the track, <laughs> looking up at the track and then looking back at the house as if to say, I don't really want to go with you. Oh, she's walking back to the house. (laughs) She's just standing in the middle of the track, looking at me over her shoulder, and then looking back at the house. And now she's walking slowly back to the house, and now she's starting to jog. Still looking back at me every now and again. She obviously feels a bit bad. Oh well. I'm gonna go. Rosie's seven now in human years. Not sure what that is in dog years, but maybe she's going through a kind of teenage phase or she's just past the point where hanging out with me the whole time is the best thing that she can think of. The other thing is I think she saw my wife hanging out in the garden and Probably, if it's a choice between me and my wife, my wife will win. Anyway, how are you doing, Podcats? It is a very beautiful, hot bank holiday Monday in late May 2020. Welcome to podcast number 124. This one is the first of two I'm putting out today that were recorded in front of a live audience at the London Podcast Festival last year, back in September 2019. A couple of weeks after Boris Johnson controversially suspended or prorogued Parliament. Do you remember that? Back in the old days, when news was a bit more fun? My guest on the second night, and in the other podcast that I'm putting out today, was poet and podcaster George Empanga, a.k.a. George the Poet. But my guest for the first night at King's Place, a lovely venue in King's Cross where the podcast festival was taking place, was American comedian and writer Sarah Barron, described by The Guardian as brassy and sassy. Maybe it's supposed to be brassy and sassy. Or maybe brassy and sassy. Anyway, I provide a bit more information about Sarah in my on-stage introduction, but it might help you later in the podcast if I tell you that before we went on stage, I made the tactless error of asking Sarah if she was in her 40s. We were talking about children. And I said, are you in your 40s? And she had, in fact, uh, just become 40. A bit of a faux pas. And she picked me up on it a couple of times in our conversation, as you will hear. A couple more notes that might be useful. This episode contains quite a lot of bad language. Once or twice in the past, I've had messages from people saying, why does there need to be so much bad language in your podcast? I'm sorry, I'll do my best to wash out my mouth in future, but uh, it's too late to do anything about this one. Also, other note, right at the end of our conversation, you'll hear Sarah Making a weird sound that provokes a great deal of laughter from me and the audience. And in case you struggle to work it out, it was her suddenly shoving most of the microphone into her mouth, which in context was very funny. Okay, I played the Ramble Chat jingle and sang along and danced to it live on stage, as you will hear. so right now, I'm just going to hand over to myself live on stage at King's Place in September 2019. Here we go. Hey, hey, how you doing, podcasts? Adam Buxton here. Nice to be with you. This is
1: very Londonish, isn't it? To have a sold-out show and there's just seats aplenty. Because the idea, everyone
0: wants to get with the exciting thing that's happening, but when it comes to actually turning up for the exciting thing,
1: I don't know if I can be
0: bothered. There's too much else to do. I'm exhausted from all the other exciting things. I don't care. They've paid. Doesn't matter, I just feel bad for all the people who couldn't get tickets. For all the people whose lives have been ruined. I'm going to keep this short because I I don't want to take the piss with my guest waiting in the wings. I'm going to introduce you very shortly. But uh, before I do, I have a joke that I wrote. I was pretty pleased with this when I wrote it. What is Boris Johnson's favorite podcast? The Pro-Rogan Experience. (laughs) Does anyone think that is not funny, and clever. No. The pro-Rogan experience. I mean, that's the best joke ever, isn't it? Works on every single level. All right. I'm going to bring out my guest shortly. She is a UK-based American comic. She's called Sarah Baron. Yay. And she went, let me tell you, from author to stand up via hosting New York's hugely popular storytelling night, The Moth. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with The Moth, and they also have a, a very popular podcast. Her stand up debut, for worse, was a frank, honest account of married life and becoming a mother for the first time. She claims that living in Britain for six years has stripped away her innate American positivity. <laughs> Let's get her out. But uh, before we do so, though, let's sing
1: (laughs) Ramble Chat together. Ramble Chat, let's have a Ramble Chat. We'll focus first on this, then concentrate on that. Sorry, no. As you
0: can hear, I still haven't figured out how to sing the Ramble Chat jingle live and do a weird little dance at the same time and make it good but I keep forgetting that I don't know how to do that. So, to save your ears a little bit, let's have the end of the real jingle and get on with meeting Sarah. Here we go.
1: (laughs) Please welcome Sarah Barron to the stage.
2: There she is. Hey! How are you doing, Sarah? That was such a great dance.
0: Thanks so much. It wasn't really, was it? It was. No,
2: it was. As an American, I don't understand sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a large American listenership?
0: Mm, I don't know.
2: I don't uh, think uh, so. No, no. I'm just, I have no idea. But <laughs> <laughs>
0: We were discussing beforehand, myself and Sarah, that we're not necessarily fans of listening back to live podcasts, you know? And it's just more you know, inevitably more of a performative encounter than it would be if I was just...
2: If we were just chatting. ...meeting you in
0: my nutty room. One-on-one.
2: They gave you more than you deserved on that, but you take it. You just take that. Well,
0: I don't know if they were happy with it or if they were going, you can't say one-on-one anymore, Dr. Buckles.
2: Oh, has that phrase been cancelled? Maybe. Maybe. We were saying beforehand that we both learned about six months ago what the phrase cancelled meant. Yes. By a whoop. Does anyone in here not know what getting cancelled means? Oh. You go.
0: No, you go. No, I don't want to do it. Come on, you're the guest. They're
2: your fans, though. You're
0: the guest.
2: All right. I mean, I think it means that someone does something offensive. Yes. And they're not okay anymore. That's the key phrase. Rita Ora got cancelled. Did she? Yeah, I didn't know. (laughs) Rita Ora got cancelled, but she didn't do anything. She's just not cool anymore. Whereas, like, Louis C.K. got cancelled. But it's both getting cancelled. But one did a thing and the other's just, like, not cool.
0: But Louis C.K. is still cancelled and Rita Ora is not, though, right?
2: I thought Rita... I don't know. I was told by a 29-year-old in May that Rita Ora was cancelled.
0: But you can't just be cancelled for not being... Cool anymore? You've got to do something worse than that to get cancelled. I heard You've that cancelled could... expose yourself.
2: Okay. I heard that cancelled could also. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying what my experience right,
0: was. Right. Okay. But we've never met before, and so essentially this evening, you and I are going to be sort of getting to know each other as if we're on a date. Cool. <laughs> And I thought that would be a sort of fun thing as it was a live podcast, we'd do it like that. As if you and I are going out and did you ever go on blind dates? We're both. Oh yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I was you know, people always say that thing where they'll be like, I was just never good at dating. Like I just like the next thing I know, I'm just like in a relationship. (laughs) Serial monogamists who like always have someone. And those people don't know how to be alone and their relationships when they're in them suffer. And that's true. But anyway, I went on a lot of dates. There was a week when I was like 28, which you apparently thought was like 30 years ago, which it wasn't. (laughs) I love dating much more than I enjoy being married, frankly. Like it was more, I liked it. Like I loved being like, "Who's this person?" And maybe, "What's this?" "What's this?" But I do think I'm like a good dater. I think that was one of my skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my 20s.
0: So I've got a number of sort of well, they are literally questions. Okay. (laughs) that I'm going to ask. Like Normally I would not necessarily compose questions for people in that way and Richard Herring believes that he's the person that invented questions on podcasts. (laughs) So if you have, what would you do in a date scenario if you were asked a question that you had zero interest in whatsoever? Would you just sort of uh, try and tackle it and then just glide over to the... Next topic. I mean, that's what a normal person would do. I regret even asking that question
2: So if someone asked me a boring question, what would I do?
0: Yeah, I don't know why I asked you that question It's the most boring. I mean it
2: it was bad. It was bad. Yeah It was a bad question, but I would try and kick it back as quickly I remember one time I was set up on a date with a guy It was like one of the only like old-fashioned blind dates I ever went on and he was so so boring which and this could get me canceled but it is just how people are it's like if I had been more attracted to him I would have dealt with it because I would have been like we this could be sex later so I'll get through this part for the inti course later but when you're just like I don't even want to bang then what are we doing and I was so lost in it and at one point I knew he was a lawyer and I was like I just don't want to have to talk anymore so I was like tell me about the law (laughs) and he just Told me about I mean for an hour just did it so to answer your question It would be bat it back as quickly as possible. Yeah, which you did which I did.
0: Yeah, very good. Thanks Now if any of these questions are too personal or strange then well you'll deal with it Are you in therapy?
2: Great so I started therapy. I have a really good mind for dates. I'm clearly American, and also I lived in New York for 15 years, so it would be strange if I wasn't in therapy. So I started therapy on May 1st of 2002, which I remember because May 2nd is my birthday. And I remember, you know, and a therapist will say often the first question is like, what brought you here? And I remember like starting to cry and be like, because <gasps> I would have been 22 or 23. And I was like, <gasps> I feel so alone so that's how it started in 2002 and I was in therapy off and on but mostly on for like up until a couple years ago same therapist Lisa Pollenberg and she's very good one Alan Pollenberg I'm really being set up to confirm all American stereotypes but I'll just lean into that I think that good therapy is like going to the gym. It's like you don't stop therapy because you can't solve your problems. It's like you show up every week to make sure that you're acknowledging that your life is awful. And then I started doing phone sessions when I moved here. And then our money situation changed and I stopped seeing her.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought that you were just cured.
2: No, 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 no. No, if anything, like then it was around the time my son was one. So I could really use some assistance right now. And actually I'm going back to New York in a week and I'm thinking I should see her for a live sesh and use that as an impetus to see if she will reincorporate the sliding scale fee that she used to offer me in my twenties. Right.
0: And when I said the thing about being cured, that was a joke.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I knew. Sorry, did you want a bigger laugh or what did you? Okay. I I
0: just want to make it clear that I do appreciate the fact that, as you say, you know, it's like going to the gym. I think the idea of going to therapy is very appealing, even though it's never been part of my life so far, but I've been thinking about it. Have you never been? No. But now increasingly, I feel as if it's like saying you've never done any exercise. You know what I mean? Because I think it is sort of irresponsible in a way not to have some, you know, commitment to maintaining your mental health in that way and investing in the idea that someone outside of your friendship circle might have something valuable to contribute. Yeah.
2: The thing that gets my back up is also, it's like, I think therapy can be as masturbatory and stupid as you think from like a shitty therapist. Yeah. But also, like, when people do that thing when they're like, you know what, like, exercise is my therapy. Yeah. I'm like, exercise is your antidepressant if you're lucky. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like helping you understand why you're a douchebag or why you're impossible in an argument or why you think you're capable of an apology or self-examination when you're not actually.
0: Also, my relationship with physical exercise is that I do it so that I can eat more cakes and I think that's probably what would happen with therapy. Just, I'd go in there and I'd think, I've got a load of asshole points now.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Feed your face.
0: Yeah. I'd be able just to explain to people why I'm being a dick rather than just being a dick. Do you know what I mean? Like when you go to therapy as well as a comedian, do you ever feel as if you should ask their permission because you're going to incorporate, so the, there's some comedians, we won't mention any names, but you think, fucking hell, I hope the therapist is getting a cut, because they incorporate pretty much all the stuff from their sessions into their act, you know, it's a load of self-examination, very funny if it's done well, mm. but you know what I mean, like, are you thinking while you're at therapy all the time, oh yeah, this would be good, uh,
2: be good for well, the I, so I haven't been in therapy now for like three years, right? Okay. but I, th- I think that, that my problem is I really want, which is why I find these sorts of conversations in this situation so difficult is that you're just like, I want to be the favorite. Let me be the favorite. Mm-hmm. Let me be the smartest one that you've seen today. I mean, you are the best guest. No, I'm not. Tonight. But I want to be. I'm the only one tonight. <laughs> <laughs> So that the need to be liked. God, you need some therapy. I know.
0: What do you hate about yourself? See, we're doing therapy. I'm going to be
2: your yeah, therapist. Yeah, yeah. What do I hate about myself? I think yes. I have a real narcissism to me that's probably not so great. Like a dark narcissism. Dark narcissism. Yeah,
0: that's my favorite fragrance. <laughs>
1: A dark narcissism,
2: but don't most people? Yeah, but I'm more aware of mine because of my therapy. And
0: where does that come from, Sarah?
2: (laughs) Where does my dark narcissism come from? Yes, where does it come from?
0: (laughs) I'm your therapist. That's why I have this voice. That's what all therapists sound like. I am doing a silly voice to ask you a serious question.
2: I know. You're really putting me in a tough position. In front of an audience. Right. You're making it hard for me. Yes.
0: Yes. That's what therapy is about. It is sometimes hard. Where does it come from?
2: How am I supposed to answer that now?
0: We can come back to it. Can you do any impressions? (laughs) I genuinely love impressions.
2: Can you do some of yours?
0: I do an impression of David Bowie. So, I do a bit of David. Yeah. Even though it's a very specific part of David's yeah. career. He didn't always sound like that. And sometimes all, he sounded quite different.
2: It's also sort of like the Flight of the Concords guys doing David Bowie. Yeah,
0: I, I was doing it before them.
2: Okay, okay. <laughs> and that's interesting. I that think, they think that they came across as me digging at you, which it wasn't. Always
0: in space, they do, yeah. they do that. Yeah. And I, do, I don't do that. No. No.
2: You're hitting it with a straighter bat.
0: Yes. I was trying to learn how to do Mark Ronson from watching a Lady Gaga documentary. Oh. Should we learn how to do Mark Ronson. Yes. This is a, I think what you do is you do posh, tired, pissed and American. So tired. so first of all you start off with posh English, right? So okay. you start off like that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm Mark Ronson. Yeah, great. And then you're tired. I know, I'm so tired. Yeah, it's been... Gosh, it's been such a long day in the studio, yeah. And then you're a bit pissed. Oh, God, I was in the studio. In the studio, we had so much to drink. And then you're American. Yeah, I was in the studio, we was like... It was really hot in the studio, so we... We just drank loads of beers and stuff
2: really good.
0: That's Mark Ronson. Yeah, that
2: was great. I mean,
0: and that's quite similar to Eddie Redmayne.
2: Do you seek these out, or they come to you, and you just notice? No, that it's like when you're watching.
0: A... Have you ever seen? Is it called Jupiter Ascending? No, I haven't. It's quite the thing. You should see that. Okay, he does this sort of voice. He plays a b. Ba- he's the the baddie in it, and he's like the baddest guy in the whole universe. And he ma- he's made a decision to do this posh, raspy, British whisper. Good.
1: He says, I just talk like this the whole time. He's going to destroy the whole universe. <laughs> he's going to do it by just talking in
2: a really weird way. And then every
1: now and again, get very really angry.
2: That could get you cancelled. <laughs> that oh, <yeah>. could... <laughs>
0: Have you got any impressions?
2: I do. It's too narrow to be funny. I think I do a really good impression of my mother.
0: (laughs) Go on. I'd be up for hearing that.
2: All right. It's like, so my mother is annoying and she's always getting choked up Uh and always surprised that it's happening and wanting attention for it happening. So whenever the whole family gets together, so like my brother's there with his wife and their children and my husband and I are back in the States with our kid and everyone's gathered, you know, and this is all the parents want is just to have the whole family together. And my, you know, we're not religious, but my mother will say, we don't pray in our family, but we will take a moment to be so... (laughs) I didn't know I'd get emotional. I, um... (laughs) And we look like a bunch of assholes because we're like, okay, mom, when she thinks she's emoting. So if someone were to be visiting us, we would all look like a pack of cunts. But actually, the woman's bid for attentions are ceaseless and therefore grating. <laughs> I don't know. But she, like, my impression of her is Excellent. I'm trying to think if there's anyone famous I can do. That was good, though. I, kn-
0: I feel as if I know your mom. I yeah, yeah, that. yeah,
2: yeah. She visited us when I just did that.
0: Does she cry at adverts and things like that?
2: No, because that's actually authentic. It's not an authentic thing she's doing, okay? I do a great impression of my best friend who's very hostile, but she's fucking better than you, and, like, if you're into that, you're just dumb. Like, that's a good... That's my friend Maggie. Like, I can sometimes get Paloma Faith, but she's not in me right now, so I don't think I can do it. Yes. Oh, don't let me get... Oh, don't. <laughs> wait I've got I've got I get it
0: I like it what Americans do break. yeah I
2: know yeah but you know what fuck you because also English people doing American is just as good but no one is here to laugh at that but we would if we were here um and I'm pretty good at some lines from um uh, pretty woman oh what which lines oh shit put you on the spot first of all I'm gonna really perform this so it's gonna be subtle but I think it's actually kind of nice I'm doing a nice smile for the listeners. I'm doing like a nice warm smile right now. If I forget to tell you later, I had a really nice time tonight. It's more squeaky
0: than she is, though. Don't, I mean, don't You be know
2: offended. what? You know what, Adam?
0: Sorry, that's not... Sorry.
2: <laughs> that's a cancelled film, isn't it? But I mean, it must be surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That film has aged not Even great.
0: at the time, though, I remember thinking, I don't think that that's what it really would be like to be.
2: I mean, you but know. But that's so intelligent of you. I sex was just positivity, like,
0: yes. Mm. Respect for sex workers, absolutely. Of course. But I just thought, I don't know how realistic this is.
2: You were ahead of your time. I was. I was just like, the shopping looks fun. <laughs> but it is one of those
0: films when it comes on TV. You generally watch it. Oh, yeah. But I always forget that Jason Alexander is such a...
2: Right, pre-George. Bad guy Yeah, showing his range. Like, George, what are you
1: doing? You're so
2: bad. Yeah.
0: Unpleasant. Also, I think it's a bit offensive for a person like me that is a short man. (laughs) Because to me, it very much seems to be saying, this is what short men... Short men
2: are evil. I like, yeah. I used to teach writing classes and I I had this guy who was like, he was a smaller man and he wanted to like write stuff about the fact, like how much people projected a Napoleon complex onto him Mm -hmm. that wasn't there.
0: I think most Napoleon complexes probably are there. Do you think you have one?
2: Yes. Can you think of like when it has manifested in the most obvious way?
0: Well, I mean, in a sort of benign way, it's very obvious when you see me with my wife and my friends who all tower above me. Right. So it's a sort of inverted complex, I suppose. I'm attracted to people generally who are taller than myself.
2: But both romantically and just platonically? Yes. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> Although it's always a bit romantic, isn't it?
2: When you said your wife and your... Fr- oh, are we back in a date? I don't know. I'm just. I was
0: thinking recently about how I am romantic about my male friends as well as...
2: Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Is it?
0: (laughs) I don't know if they feel that way sometimes. I mean, like I was always, my friendships when I was at school, I always thought about them in a sort of romantic way and felt sad and upset when they weren't sufficiently friendly with me. I mean, I don't mean like I was sad that they weren't reaching into my trousers or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, it's always, but I'm over-sensitive, you know. Right, 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 right. So Your feelings get hurt
2: very easily. Yeah. Do you think that makes you exhausting to be around? Yes. Yeah. The reason that I ask is my husband is so sensitive and he's fucking exhausting. Yeah. Because he get, But that's part of, you know, what makes him wonderful. <laughs> but it is also why he's a fucking project and a half, Yeah, you know? exactly.
0: Have you... Have you, Sarah, ever picked up a, a twitch or a tick or a vocal mannerism from someone else?
2: Well, Jonathan Van Ness, genuinely that's been happening. Explain who Jonathan Van Ness oh, is. Oh, so Jonathan who don't Van know? Ness is one of the Queer Eye team. He's the one who does hair. Yeah. I find him so... Wa- I love him and Tan, and the other three can do one. I want him and Tan all day, every day. Have you guys seen the one? Has anyone ever seen the one where they go back to Jonathan's hometown and he cuts off the mullet, right? And when he does that thing where he's like, you can do this moment, you can do this moment, you're doing this moment, you're giving this moment. I rewound that five times. I loved it so much. So I watched a lot of Queer Eye. I binged it. And I was talking like him. And I didn't know that except that I was up at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And a few of my friends were like, you are starting to talk like him when you do stand up. So I'd watch that. (laughs) <laughs> so that's like that was a thing where I realized it was like affecting my pace when I was talking, if I was nervous, to just get a little momentum going, if I could feel that the audience was lacked after, I would just like serve Jonathan all day, all night, right? <laughs> so that's an impression that I can do. Hey, that's a good impression.
0: <laughs> How about facial ticks? Oh, here's
2: here's my tick. My tick is yeah. it's not a facial tick, a thing that I do. Which I didn't know until my judgmental friend Maggie pointed it out to me. Fucking Maggie. Fucking Maggie. So mean to me. But I like dominating women. Or however you like people who clearly kind of push you away. Because that is somehow safe for you. That's what your therapist will eventually tell you. Jesus. That you need. (laughs) That something in you needs someone to do this. Mm -hmm. Because that makes you somehow feel safe. Even though consciously it makes you feel vulnerable. Okay. So basically. That's real. Write it down. Okay. So. I can't hold the mic and do my tick.
0: Uh, do you want me to hold it?
2: Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. I stroke the crick of my right arm. And Maggie, whenever, because now we don't live in the same city. So when I see her now once a year, she's, she's like, a- all right, that arm thing is still going strong.
0: The crick stroker.
2: Yeah. So that's some kind of Always
0: with thing. the same hand stroking. Always
2: the- left arm stroking right arm. Right
0: crick. Wow. That's a new one. I've never encountered Do you hear that. a
2: lot of like when you ask that question of people, do a lot of people say the same thing? This is
0: especially for you. This is the first time I've asked about the of as far as I'm aware podcasts. Do I normally ask that? No.
2: <laughs> do you feel very powerful when you do these things live? Like with all those people being like, "Tell me about me." And they're like, "You don't, Adam." Are you like, "I'm a king." <laughs> that must Like, if you're a musician and you play some arena and people sing your lyrics back to you, I've always been like, that must be wild. Like, that must have made you feel powerful.
0: Yes. (laughs) But I didn't do the thing that Robbie Williams does of just not singing because they're singing. You know what I mean? No, no, no. I don't like that when they go out there and the audience starts singing and then the fucking people stop singing. Like, no, you sing the song. It's better when you sing the song. It's fun to sing along with you singing the song. Don't yeah, you yeah, just yeah. go and have a fag while everyone's <laughs> through it
2: all. It's on bum
0: anyway, bum 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 but no, it's, it's very nice, but it's an unusual situation as a live thing because it's like, unless there's anyone who's really feeding their hatred of me by coming along to a... <sighs>
1: That
2: would be live, interesting. But I
0: mean, there might be. I don't know. But generally, I feel as if this <laughs> is a friendly crowd. So it's yeah, nice yeah. and relaxing. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yes, it does make me feel very powerful. Good. Um, I pick up vocal, uh, you know, sort of conversational mannerisms from people. I'm especially attracted, I think, to uh, Northerners. I like the way that they speak, Northern English people. Like, I did a documentary with the League of Gentlemen. Do you know them? Mm-hmm. So when they were doing their third series, I spent a lot of time hanging around with them, and I definitely enjoyed the the cadence and the patterns of their the way that they talk. And thenceforth used the phrase, have you not? Rather than saying, haven't you? I'd say, have you not? Have you not? I wouldn't say it with the accent, but that's how they would say it. Right, right, right. Oh, have you not? Yeah. So I say, have you not? And I also like Mark Riley, the DJ who used to be in the fall, and him and Rob Hughes do this uh, podcast about David Bowie called The 80's Ed of David Bowie. And they both use the uh, conversational mannerism "Rye." okay.
2: That was really, that was quite good. Was that quite good?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, so it's like they'll be talking and you say something, Sarah. Oh,
2: so then the other day, I I did wind up going to that store.
0: Right, okay.
2: (laughs) That's very good.
0: Yeah. And it just feels so nice to say. I guess because I like them, and I like, yeah. the, I like listening it's
2: to the them. It's the better accent, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Right, okay, yeah. Yes. Yes, please.
0: you ever have in the states did you have well here we had this show called grumpy old men and then there was a version called grumpy old women back when the sexes had to be strictly right uh, right right. separated yeah and did you have that kind of thing with just people of a certain age i.e. middle age and above
2: just complaining about things we didn't have that Did you not? No. I like to yes and you in these moments as much as possible, but no, we didn't have those.
0: Mm. Do you like that kind of show, though? Are you that sort of person now that you've (gasps) entered your 40s? You're at the very early stages of them, (laughs) right at the beginning of them, in fact, and you don't look it. Is this good? (laughs) No.
2: But I said to my today as I was getting ready to come out, I said to my husband, I saw my, some photo of myself yesterday and I was like, I feel sad. Why do I feel sad? I feel sad today. And I was like, I think it's because I saw these photos and I, I just look my age in my head. I look younger, but I look my age. And he's like, listen, I think no, you're not making anyone think you're in your 20s. I think definitely a woman in her 30s. And then I meet this guy and I was like, so you're in your 40s, yes? And it just, you're like, oh, that shit's real. And thank you. And it was, and I needed to know. So the thing is, do I like shows about grumpy people? Are
0: you a grumpy old woman?
2: (laughs) I think that with everyone other than my parents and my husband, I seem not grumpy.
0: Are you on social media?
2: Yes, but not as much as other comedians. Do you tweet angry things and complain? Never. Oh, I would never. Right. Never.
0: So you've never tweeted something like, ugh, these people walking slowly in the street,
2: I hate them." No, people don't need to hear what you're thinking. Or That's my funny, approach with Twitter. Some
0: funny version thereof. I think no, I would just
2: never. I would never do a grumpy tweet.
0: I unfollowed. I mean, this is the thing. It's a bit. I ask if you're grumpy because, you know, everyone gets wound up by certain things, right? I,
2: I, I am that. grumpy, but not publicly. Right, okay. I think we're using the word grumpy to mean different things. I just realized that. Because, yes, I am grumpy. I hate everything. I like talking about why everything is terrible. Right, okay. But, like, so when I showed up, to, it was like, I want Adam to like me. Be nice. Be, I would never be like, hey, right. what's up? Yeah. Which is actually what I think of as grumpy, but is not what you mean and actually not what grumpy means. Got you. Right.
0: So, how would you feel then about people watching videos on their phones without headphones?
2: Right. There's no one normal who. This is sort of a. Careful. Yeah. Careful. careful. Yeah. I caught myself. Did you see me catch myself? Yes. Yeah. Good catch. Thanks. (laughs) Now carry on, carefully. (laughs) I don't think it's okay. In any circumstance I think it's one of the Things that indicates That you don't understand That you share the world Yeah,
0: what is it? Is it that you don't understand that you share the world Or is it that you do understand But you don't give a fuck (laughs) The other day I unfollowed someone On Twitter, someone who I like I don't unfollow people very often I usually just mute them Because I'm so cowardly But this guy is like, man, I'm unfollowing you for that.
2: What pushed you over the edge?
0: Well, it was a tweet that most of you will probably think is terrific (laughs) and will agree with. And some part of me agrees with it as well. But it was something like, hey, you people standing right next to the baggage carousel, please kill yourselves. See, the audience is a little nervous there because most of them are thinking, I agree, and I think that's funny. Is that fair? Yeah. How do you feel about those people standing next to the baggage carousel? Well, this is what
2: I think. I agree with the point, but I think expressing it on Twitter is deranged. Right, okay. That's what I th- I think that thing of I'm feeling a thing... Okay. Cool. Feel the thing. I agree with you. I actually feel the same thing. I am now going to go online to express it publicly in a way that will do nothing. Yes, is weird.
0: Well, presumably, some part of them thinks this will do something because it will shame people into behaving better somehow.
2: I don't think that it will. I don't think so. Either. I think it's just people feels like I have a thing. It has to come out. Now there's a place it can go.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Also, the thing that made me unfollow them was not the sentiment about the people next to the carousel. I can see that is irritating and selfish behavior in some way, even though I do it. We'll talk about that in a second but it was the please kill yourself thing. Well,
2: it's also, it's not nice writing. It's like, if there's some nicely written thing that is a nice joke or just people who do this, kill yourselves. I agree that it's annoying behavior, but it's not a good expression of the idea. No,
0: it's just sort of a boring hangover from... Yeah,
2: it's like when people do like, that moment when... Dot dot dot. <laughs> Gross. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like this lazy as shit way of expressing yourself that makes me go, "Don't express yourself. Keep it inside." Exactly. Yeah. See, I'm grumpy. Yes. Okay.
0: Talking about the standing close to the baggage carousel thing, I looked at some comments from a thread on Flyer Talk forum.
2: Flyer Talk. Yes,
0: where people who fly go to talk. talk. I do find it a bit weird how people have to stand so close to the baggage conveyor belt when you're waiting for a suitcase. Once your suitcase comes along, you basically have to fight your way through the wall of people that are lined up. What is wrong with waiting a couple of metres further back? (laughs) To which another person replies, (laughs) I was always a proponent of standing back. Unfortunately... If you stand back so much as 18 inches, someone will squeeze in directly in front of you and negate whatever benefit you
1: are trying to achieve. Now, I stand 24 inches back.
0: But... I have to place my laptop bag on the ground right in front of me to keep people from just standing there. I dream... (laughs) (laughs) I dream that someday... (laughs) This is like an early draft of Martin Luther King's (laughs) I Have a Dream speech.
1: I dream that someday there will be lines drawn... 24 inches out from the carousel. <laughs> indicating that people should stand back so people could ignore them. Here's another. That
2: was so much better than that tweet.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, because I like it. Oh. Well, it's just a bit, you're getting a bit more of a nuanced perspective. Let's just, you know, so talk to each other. Here's another point of view though, Sarah. Like, and this is someone arguing from the other side Because I confess.
2: Yeah, I think I'm guilty of what these, but they're right. That I I go go close to
0: the carousel. Yep. Anyway, (laughs) so here's someone like me. This is someone called Till. I don't know what the other people's names were, but this is Till from Berlin. So I'm going to do a very accurate uh, impression. I admit, I position myself as close as possible to where the luggage comes out. I don't want it to go for another round
1: (laughs) because
0: I usually cannot see what happens to it on the other
1: side. (laughs) I don't want anybody to even accidentally take off with it.
0: (laughs) I never hustle, I never push anybody. And when I see my bag coming, I will warn those around me
1: that I need a little room (laughs) to lug the monster off the belt.
0: I am usually quite good at making it a minimal intervention. In some cases, rarely, people have not heeded my warning. The bag did bump into them. But I never hurt anybody seriously. <laughs> that's from Till. So that's a very nice, balanced perspective. It's not just like, kill yourself.
2: No, and I, I like that everyone on those message boards seemed to have really thought yes. through. I respect how thoughtful their answers so, were. Exactly.
0: A plea for tenderness and understanding. Yeah. Now, we are coming towards the end of our conversation. Great. Okay. Can I ask you a couple more questions? Please. All right. Do you smell nice? I mean, do you care about
2: uh, fragrances yeah. and things like that? <clears throat> yes.
0: What's your go-to fragrance? I,
2: I st- after I gave birth, I stopped wearing perfume, and then I never went back. I think that I smell nice. Mm. Yeah. Basically, here's what I'm trying to not say, and I don't think anyone's gonna like this. Basically, I like naturally smell very nice throughout my whole body. Yes except for oops I have lethal farts oh but an incredible pussy <laughs> yes so that's what I think like you know I would never say a sense like God gave me but I feel that's been like my karmic balance is these heinous farts but like what a puss
0: mm. are you are the farts
2: loud? when I want them to be
0: <laughs> um Let's end this encounter on uh, an uplifting note of positivity.
2: Okay. What
0: always lifts your spirits, Sarah? That's kind of my Oprah question.
2: Think about the... (laughs) Bad things happening to people I hate. Um, (laughs) Genuinely, if something not great happens to someone who's annoying to me, somehow I'm like... "Mm." Schadenfreude. Yeah, Schadenfreude. Or, you know, my kid doing like a cute thing like his new thing right now child? he's three and a half and his new thing is like this is not funny kids are so stupid i know but like his new thing is everything happens on saturday yeah so it'll be like oh, I'll have an ice cream today and i'll be like i don't know if we're gonna have an ice cream today but it, you know that can be something you know And i'll be like maybe on saturday or i'll be like paw patrol today I'll be like, uh, you know what? We watched one already. He's like, maybe on Saturday. So that's just like every <laughs> uh-huh. time now it goes maybe on Saturday. It Really, yeah, man? Saturday's party Maybe day. on Saturday. It's party day. Party
0: maybe on, day. Maybe
2: on Saturday.
0: Saturday. Uh, well, Friday night, Saturday night. That's party night at our house.
2: Oh, yes, yes, yes.
0: For me and my wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have party night?
2: No, because I mostly work nights. So oh, our yes, party night will just be the nights that I'm in. And we'll try and like make something and mm. Oh. You know. And <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's
0: party night. Party night. Ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Barron.
1: And spend in your shop. These are the kinds of comments people will say about your website if you build it with Squarespace. Just visit squarespace.com buxton for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, because you will want to launch, use the offer code BUXTON to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace. Yes. Continue. Right, okay.
0: Hey, welcome back, Podcats. Sarah Barron there live at the London Podcast Festival back in September 2019 at the King's Place venue in King's Cross. And I'm very grateful to Sarah for coming along and putting up with my stupid bullshit and uh, rambling with me on stage. And I'm also grateful to everyone who made us feel so welcome at the podcast festival, especially Zoe Jays and Sally Hollingworth. Not really going to waffle much at the end of this episode because I'm going to go and sort out the other live episode from the podcast festival last year with George the Poet. We had a great conversation. He's a fascinating guy and a brilliant talker, so do check that one out. Thank you very much indeed to Seamus Murphy-Mitchell for his production support and Matt Lamont for his additional editing on this episode. I hope you're doing okay out there. And keeping it together in body and mind. Till next time, we share the same out all space. Take care, I love you. Bye!